Good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day. And I want to look into the camera and just say hi to everyone who's watching at home, watching online, watching, as Michael says, maybe six months from now. We're so glad that you're with us. We are an online church, and that's where our focus is, and we are so happy to be providing messages and an opportunity for those who can't go to church or their work schedule prevents them from going to church. We are providing a solution for you in that scenario. And we're so glad that you're with us this morning. This morning, my title and message is Hold On, and you'll see it a lot through the entire thing. But I want to start off with a funny story that my son told me this past um, graduation season. We were at Jenny's graduation party, and he was telling us that his brother gave him a um, exercise bike, one of the Peloton bikes with the big screen and the, the stuff. And he says it's an amazing thing. And he, it was given to him, so he just had to go and get it. And so he went to his brother's house and found out it was on the third floor. So Alec got it all struggled through there, got it in their elevator to take it down to the, where they could load it into the car. And it just was so big and so bulky. And there's a house, so the elevator wasn't that big. Long story short, Alec rode down with it, and he got stuck. And I know Lenore's throat's kind of closing in right now because she is claustrophobic and she hates those kinds of scenarios or even the thought of those scenarios. But Alex said he was in there for 45 minutes plus and, and the doors at the bottom wouldn't open. It wouldn't go back up. He, he was stuck. He said it just opened up just enough that his friend could reach in and give him some crackers and a bottle of water. And he was in there. He didn't know what he was going to do. And he had to wait for his brother Ryan to come home. And he was able to pry open the doors and, and get it. it. So they were able to get it out. And he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. It was this much of a struggle. But I, I'm just, it made me think about situations that we, we just have this great idea, and it's a great opportunity, and then we find ourselves stuck. Have you ever been in a situation where your only choice was to hold on? Alec was stuck in that, that elevator. He had no choice. He just had, he said he was completely soaked from sweating and because it's hot in the elevator, and it was just this, ah. Reminds me of a story I told um, when we first planted the church of a vacation we took with um, all of my wife's family to Lake Tahoe, and all the brother-in-laws decided to take this trip up Mount Shakespeare. And so we're going up there, and my one brother-in-law is a billy goat. I mean, he could just do anything in the world, and he just probably traverse a cliff that was like this. But um, anyway, we're walking on the nature path, and he goes, this is boring. Let's go up there. And when you looked at it, it looked like it was about like that. It's like, okay, this isn't that bad. You know, I was raised in South Texas. We can, we can pull this off. So we get up there, and in the first part of the, the journey, it was all right. And then it got progressively worse. Then we reached a point, and each place that I was going, my brother James is, my brother-in-law James is already up, up, geez, gone well past me, and it's just me and him now on the, on the, on the side of the cliff, because my other brother-in-law was smarter than we were, and he took the, the regular path to go up there. But I kept on seeing where my next foot, handhold was, and my next foothold, and I was able to go, and then I reached this point that I wasn't able to go any further. If you remember telling the story, I looked down, and that's never a good thing to do when you're really high up on the side of a mountain, and what I thought was like this is more like this. And I saw jagged rocks down below me, and I knew that if I fell, that's it. 
because there is not going to be any more Kevin, and Lenore is not going to have a husband, and our children aren't going to have a father. And, and this, this whole th- panic is setting in me, and I could not see my next step. End up calling to my brother-in-law, and thank God he came back down, and he, he was able to reach across there, and he reached his hand out to me. And I had to, to make this choice of letting go of the only place that I could see to hold on to him and grabbed a hold of him, and he gave me, and then I was able to go the rest of the way. Again, I think I was pretty stupid for doing that, but nevertheless, was able to make that transition up the side of the mountain. But when you're stuck in that spot, it's really easy for panic to set in. In Galatians chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, you can open up with us to chapter 9. If not, it's going to be on the screen behind us. It says, Let us not become weary in, good, in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. But let us not become weary and don't give up. But can I tell you that those are some of the most difficult things to do because it's real easy to just get tired of doing what we're doing. And, and it seems like it, it looks like the same thing. And it seems like Groundhog Day. So you wake up and it's just a repeat of yesterday. It's easy to get weary. But the scripture says you will reap at the proper time if you don't give up. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at um, the topic of potentiality and planting seeds. And, and last week, we looked at the acorn and, and how it's this big. It's not very big at all, but the in totality of a forest of every one of those trees planted and growing up in this huge, beautiful, majestic is all found in the middle of that seed. But have you ever been in a situation where you've been planting and you've been watering. So you've been asking God for something, and you've been continuing to pray and reading the Word of God, but you're frustrated by the delay of your harvest? Can I tell you that many times our time is not God's time? So when we see the potential, and we hear the message about the acorn, and we hear about the, the greatness of you know, the planting and the watering, that all sounds rah, 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 but when you keep doing it and you still don't see it, that frustration can really wear on us. Several weeks ago, we looked at the scripture of two houses. One was built on sand and one was built on rock. And if you missed any of these messages I'm referring to, you can go back and watch them on our YouTube channel, on our podcast within our app. Michael's already told you about all that, but you can go get all that stuff anywhere you look on any of the different types of mediums for um, any kind of sharing stuff. We're there as Belong Church or Belong DFW. It's in all the different places. Every place you can imagine, we've got something there. But one of the things that really stands out to me about that story, about the two houses and one built on the rock and one built on the sand, is it said that both of them had storms that were raging. Both of them endured this incredible storm that just came against them. And while you knew that you'd done the right things, and while you knew you had planted on the rock, the storm was still raging. 
this whole thing of everything outside. And we've had some really bad storms here in North Texas recently. And of course, where we were in Florida for 21 years, you know, we have hurricanes and bad storms. And, and I'm sure wherever you find yourself, you've experienced some bad storms as well. And you're sitting there, and maybe the power goes out and, and you hear things being ripped off and you hear trees cracking and you hear the hail hitting on the side of the window. And you're like, I don't know if this house is going to stand. That kind of a storm raging. You can go read this story on your own in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Jesus is talking about this parable of these two versus listening to God's word and doing it or not doing it. But can I tell you this morning one of my favorite phrases, one of my favorite things that if there's one thing I'd want to be known for, this would be it. And that is saying to put yourself in the Bible. Put yourself in this parable. Because it's, it's one thing if we just read the Bible just as a literary work and just put it back up on the shelf until tomorrow. Or maybe you're reading with us in the one-year Bible in our app, and you just read through, and you close the app, and that's it. But it's an entirely different thing when you put yourself into the story that you're reading. So put yourself in the story of this parable. The storm is raging, and you're not sure how it's going to turn out. You're sitting there scared, and maybe you've got your family huddled up to you, and, and we know for tornadoes that we're all supposed to get to the center part of the house, and we're supposed to put things so, you know, blankets or pillows around us so that if, you know, part of the roof that caves in or something like that, that we're going to not have as much damage to us that we will survive. But what's it like when you're in the middle of that storm? What's it like when all of that rage is coming against us? And if there's one thing that I talk to people about over and over again that comes up, it is anxiety and the storms that are raging up. And however you want to put it, I believe they go hand in hand. Psalms chapter 23, verse 4, and you may know the, the parable or the, the story of Psalm 23. It's one of the most renowned scriptures. But in the middle of it, he says, the psalmist David says, even though I walk through the darkness, darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I, I want you to look at that, and I highlighted a couple of those words on purpose. I walk. In our walk, as we go through life, we're going to have some dark valleys. And there's going to be some that seem like these are the darkest of times. We're going to have times where it seems like there's just no way I'm going to get past this. I cannot move forward like the storm that was hitting those two houses. I don't know if I'm going to make it. But I love the next part of that. But I will fear no evil. Because I know that you're with me. Who is that you that with me? That's God, our Father. That's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But can I tell you, it's still scary. When you're in that moment, when you're the one that's in that valley, you're in, the one, in that house where the storm's just raging and battering against you, that's a difficult place to be. So if that's where you find yourself this morning, I've got good news for you. This message is all for you. Hold on. You can do it. 
But think about it. It may be cold. It may be dark. It may be eerie. It may be wet all around you that you're like, ah, I'm just so uncomfortable. But how about the climb out when you're in that valley and you, you make your way eventually to the mountaintop? It's still a struggle. It's still something you've got to walk through. As, as I thought about this, I thought about the children of Israel and how they took the, the exodus out of Egypt into the promised land, but they got stuck in running in a circle and running, running around, wandering around for 40 years. Now, it wasn't a couple of people. It wasn't just, a, you know, four friends that took a trip and got lost. It wasn't Gilligan's Island they went for a three-hour tour. This is millions of people. Many millions of people stuck walking same circle. In fact, the, the, the historians have looked and saw where they were making their circle. It was only a two-week walk to the, where they were going. But that spent 40 years walking in circles, millions, always seeing the same thing, the same scenery. But can I ask you, are you or am I going to continue to walk in circles? Am I going to be okay with getting the same old results? What about when today looks like yesterday? Remember I talked about Groundhog Day earlier and said, you know, sometimes our days seem like Groundhog Day. It's just like we wake up and we go through our whole day and we go to sleep and tomorrow we get up and repeat it and nothing is changing. When today looks like yesterday, it's really hope. It's really easy for us to lose hope and think that there's no hope for tomorrow to be different from today. And I'm telling you, so many of the people that I talk to, this is where they're living. There's no hope at all for tomorrow to be different from today. In fact, so many people face the constant temptation to give up. Because when you don't think there's a hope for tomorrow, then what's the use? If you're in the middle of your storm, if you're in that dark valley that David talked about, in the darkest of valleys, and it's really, really tough, it's really easy to say, I don't see a way out. I'm going to give up. If there's a second thing that I hear so many people talk about that are facing them constantly, it's suicide. It's saying, I don't think that there's anything that's going to be worth me continuing to live. And I've actually heard people say, my family be better off without me. But let me just stop right here and tell you, that's an absolute lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell, if I can be that strong with you. Because that is never, ever the truth. In fact, the truth is that when you are faced with those things and people actually take that step, their families are devastated and said, I wish I could have been there. I wish they just would have told me. I wish they would have just opened up, got help from someone. This message is for you this morning. Hold on. God's answer is never on our timetable, but God is always right there. Even David said in that Psalm 23 that even though I'm going through this, I can make it because I know you are always with me. 
Can I tell you to look at a perspective from someone and later in his years is also David this morning. And you can look at it on your own. You can, if you're taking notes, this is a good one for you to go and look at. In Psalms chapter 37, verse 25, David said, I once was young and now I'm old. In other words, he's had a whole lot of life that's passed on since he was born. He's saying, man, I've got an entirely different perspective. He continues on to say, and I've never seen the righteous forsake. I've never seen God's people just left to wither away. Isn't that amazing? But often, it still looks bleak. It appears that there's nothing that's possible to change. So how is it that we can hold on unless we have hope? Hope is what we really need. In Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 24, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with us. It says, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Can I just pause and let's not just, just run through these for Scripture just as an act of reading a Scripture. Think about the logic that is here. For in this hope we were saved. You have hope that's laid out before you. But that hope that is seen is no longer hope at all. If, if you could see it, if it's all right there, and you've realized it, then there's no hope for you. You've already actually got it. For who hopes for what they already have? Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, so that thing you're believing for, that, that seed that you planted, and you've kept watering, and you've been praying and asking God for this thing, Wait for it patiently, the scripture says. Hope for what we do not yet have. That thing that I'm asking God for, wait for it patiently. Can I sum that up with one little phrase? Hold on. You can do it. You're going to not get weary. You're going to make it. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. I love that. God doesn't say, hey, just hold on. Everything's going to be all right. And I, I saw this, this um, cartoon years ago of this guy that's holding on the side of a cliff, and, and he's holding on to like this little branch that's just holding there, and you can kind of in your mind visualize that the roots are starting to pull out, and you know, he's like, help, help, is anybody up there? And he heard this voice boom out of heaven and says, this is God, let go. And he goes, is there anybody else up there who could help me? See, God hasn't just left us here to be by ourselves. Verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Last week we looked at how we all have a past and we all have a weakness. We all have things that we miss it. The Spirit of God. So there's a trinity. There's God the Father. There's God the Son, who's Jesus. And there's God the Holy Spirit. And the three of them are the fulfillment of God. We can't just only look to God the Father. We can't only just pray to Jesus. But the Spirit is also here. And I have Lenore one of these days give a message because she's so good at talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues and the power and the authority that, that is there in that thing. But here, see, in verse 26, it says the Spirit helps us. In our weakness. So when you have weakness in your life, you know that you can say, Spirit of God, I read in the Bible, I heard Pastor Kevin talk about it, says you're going to help me in my weakness. And I need some help down here. The next verse says, 
For we do not know what we ought to pray for. Sometimes we're so in this bleak, just desperate place to say, I can't see the next place to go. I don't even know what to pray. Now that's a desperate place. That's a place where it's difficult to keep holding on. When you would say, I don't even know what to pray. Continues on, but the Spirit himself intercedes through us through wordless groans. And that's praying in the Spirit. And again, I'll, I'll let Lenore talk to you about that one of these days, hopefully really soon. But we can pray in the Spirit and we can tap into that, that God line that just says this direct line to God and says, man, God, I don't know what to pray. But my hope is set in you. Psalms 25, verse 3, the first part of it says, No one who hopes in you, talking about God, will ever be put to shame. I love that. If you place your hope in God, and maybe you're still just checking everything out, maybe you're watching this and go, man, I'm watching this as a favor because you asked me to watch this, or someone else uh, told me I should watch this, and I'm not really sure about this whole Jesus-God thing, and that spirit stuff, that's really spooky. Can I just tell you, just take a baby step and put your hope in God and say, God, I don't really understand it all, but I'm going to put my hope in you because the Scripture tells me whoever puts their hopes in you will never be put to shame. There's a great prophet in the Old Testament, Jeremiah. And you don't hear too many sermons about Jeremiah, but he had this great, great um, sermon that God gave him. And he actually had an illustrated sermon. And so God told him, he goes, hey, I want you to go and give this word, but I want you to do it in a dramatic way. If you follow with me, in Jeremiah 27, verse 1, Early in the reign of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, the king of Judah, the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This is what the Lord said to me. Make a yoke out of straps and crossbars and put it on your neck. So I've got a picture of, of, of what it looks like, of, of what the, the yoke looks like. And, and so Jeremiah got one of these and he got the straps and the leather straps where you'll see on the next screen where, you know, how it all works out with, with the, the yokes of the oxen or cow or whatever. But you tie them together and, and you put this chains there and leather and all this stuff. So Jeremiah actually put it all on him and everybody's looking at him in church going, what in the world? Can you imagine if I had one of those things and I just put it on me as I'm preaching this morning? I walk out and it says, okay, so this is what the word of God says. You're like, you have lost it. You have really, really lost it. But I want you to see a couple of things while we're here. That the word that God has given through Jeremiah to the people is that this is what needs to happen, is we need to start teaming up. And we need to put this joke on. But as a country, and you'll, and you'll see in the story if you read it, and we're not going to dig down too deep in it because I don't want to go over like I did last week. But... You see that if you put this yoke on there, that then all of a sudden the, the, the two are having to now get in sync because they're held together. And one of them will actually start becoming more dominant, but they start walking in lockstep. So they sync up, and then they're able to do more together than they were able to do to, uh, by themselves. So when you put that yoke on there and you link up together and you get in step 
then you are able to then defer to one of them, and one of them is going to be the stronger one, and then all of a sudden you're able to do amazingly abundantly more than you could have ever done by yourself. In fact, in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, it says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? And I, just, I have this image in my mind of that, that harness and that, that yoke that's there. It's like, man, how can you be yoked together? How can you be all in this thing trying to pull together unless you agree? Can you imagine if one's trying to go this way and the other's trying to go that way and one's trying to back up? and the other? I mean, it would just jerk your neck all around. You'd be all messed up. You'd be all have to go see the chiropractor again every single day. But Jeremiah used this powerful story and this illustration, and he goes on to talk about the Word of God says, hey, you're going to team up as a nation with Nebuchadnezzar, and that is my will for you. And when you get in lockstep, you're going to see my glory. In fact, in verse 11, he says, but if any nation will bow its neck under the yoke, or the king of Babylon, and serve him. In other words, take a step back. Let him be the dominant one, and let him take the lead. Get in lockstep with him. I will let that nation remain on its own land until there and to live there, declares the Lord. He, God says, if you will just submit yourself and allow yourself to just go and be a part of this, it's going to work out just right for you. Now, that's a great message all in itself, but as wonderful as a message and as great as an illustration as that was, later, Jeremiah became really discouraged. And we're talking about holding on and giving up and just feeling like there's no other way out. And that's where Jeremiah found this great man of God who's been paralleled with Moses of all people. There's so many parallels as you watch their story and all the different time things in their lives and, and their, their comparison, they're side by side. But look what he says in Jeremiah 20, verse 14. Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. It's like, man, I wish I had never been born. Man, that's a pretty bad day. That's a really dark place that you're at when you're saying, man, I wish I'd never been born. But can I tell you, I've heard people say that. I've heard people tell me it's, it's better that I was never born than I'd be where I'm at right now. He goes on to say, cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, a child is born to you, a son. He's so dark in that he's not only saying, it's a bad day I was born, it's a bad day that somebody came and gave my dad good news that made him really happy that the son was born to you. Goes on, verse 16. May that man be like towns that the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning and a battle cry at noon, for he did not kill me in the womb with my mother as a grave. Man, I, I can't tell you, uh, I can't describe of a more desperate, horrible frame of mind than where Jeremiah is. And let me just pause right here, and I want, to be a, I want to be super, super sensitive to anyone who's lost a child. And, and through the years of pastoring, uh, I've known many people who've lost it at various stages, and, and I'm not insensitive at all. But there are people who really have terrible depression that comes over their brain, and like claws that just dig into them, makes them have this point of reference. Wishing that they'd never been born. Wishing, as Jeremiah says, that he had died in his mother's womb. 
That's terrible. That's horrible. That's despicable. And that makes me want to cry. Thankfully, God did not leave Jeremiah there. Verse 18, he says, Why did I ever even come out of the womb to see the trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? That's a really bad, dark valley that Jeremiah found himself in. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had days that you just wish that you pull the covers up over your head? That you just don't want to even get out of bed. You're like, man, I, this is, oh, no, uh-uh. That's where Jeremiah finds himself. But now later, this was in Jeremiah 20, now in Jeremiah 26, God has ministered to him, and he's, he's got back on the path. And now he stands up, and he speaks the words of the Lord in the house of the Lord. So he's at church. And he is now preaching, verse 8. But as Jeremiah, as soon as Jeremiah finished telling all the people everything the Lord had commanded him, the priests and the prophets and all the people seized him and said, you must die. So here he's battled depression and come out the other side. And now he's speaking the word of God. And now everybody around him is saying, we want to kill you. Jeremiah cannot catch a break. Isn't that like many of us? Isn't that like many of us, say, we say, man, this should, I just can't get the right things to happen in my life. And everywhere I turn, it seems like it's turning bad. Continues on in Jeremiah chapter 29. Now here he says in verse 1, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent to Jerusalem to the surviving elders. Verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those who are carried into exile. So if you've been taken captive and you feel like there's things that got you held in bondage, this is a word of God for you. It is not God's will for you to stay in that bondage. It is not God's will for you to stay and lack freedom. Look at this. This is God's will. Verse 5, build houses, settle down. You need to start looking to to let your life become more stable by building houses. Look at this, planting gardens and eating what it produces. Plant a garden and then eat those green beans that you raise and pluck that tomato off your vine. Verse 6, and marry and have sons and daughters and find wives for your sons and, and give your daughters. Increase in the number Do not it decrease. This is God's will for you. Verse 7, also seek peace and prosperity. So the things that you're focusing on, the things that you're trying to get there to, seek peace and prosperity. Pray to the Lord. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Pray. Don't be just stuck in this one position where you're at. But look at this, verse 8. And do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. There's going to be people around you that are trying to tell you all kinds of stuff. Don't let that happen. Verse 9. For they're prophesying lies in my name. And I haven't sent them, declares the Lord. Verse 10. For the Lord says, when 70 years are completed... 
I will come to you and fulfill my good promise. Isn't that great? That when you're going through this valley, when you're going through this deep depression, that you can say, man, even though it may be really, really desperate for me, the word of God is, I'm going to come for you, and I'm going to fulfill my good promise. Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you. And many times we've heard Jeremiah 29, 11, but have you seen it in that context? Because you see that all these bad things have happened and depression and this deep darkness where you say, man, I wish I wasn't ever even born and got even more dark than that. Now to say, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Look at this. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Don't give up. Hold on. There is a hope in your future. Continues, then I will call, then you will call on me and, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is speaking. Verse 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm looking right in the camera this morning to you. Whoever that is that, that needs to hear that this morning, Jesus says, come when you're weary. When you're in that dark place, when it just seems like everything is going wrong and there's no reason to even continue tomorrow. Man, you're burdened down with the, the cares of this entire life. I feel like there's no end in sight. I will give you rest. That is the word from God. And you may need to write that scripture down, Matthew eleven twenty eight, and write it down and put it on a three-by-five card on your refrigerator, in your speedometer, in your car, on your mirror, in your room. You may need to like, have it tattooed on your hand even if you need to, or maybe on your forehead backwards so you're reading the mirror. I'm joking. Don't get that done. But you understand what I'm saying? You may need to have that because that may need to, may need to be what you live and breathe for a season of time. But look at this. Jesus says, take my yoke. What did we just see? Can we put that, that picture back up of the, of the two oxen? Jesus is saying, take my yoke. Stop trying to do it by yourself. Get in step with me. And if you take my yoke and put yourself in that thing and we're walking side by side, you'll learn from me. And, and you can get in with me and I'll, I'll be the dominant one and I'll lead you in the right place. And back to verse 29. Learn from me. I love this. For I'm gentle. It's like you're not going to have any difficulty. And you will find rest for your souls. You find rest for your souls when you're no longer trying to figure out how you're going to make it through today into tomorrow. Verse 30 says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, When you're hooked up with me, you're not going to have to carry this all on your own. And your life is going to become easier because you're hooked up with me. As we close, 
The fourth purpose, fourth of our purposes of our church is to make a difference. And that's what I believe is our ultimate fulfillment as, as an individual. We were all made to. Can I tell you, you were made to make a difference. That is deep down inside every single one of us. But you can't reach your ultimate fulfillment to make a difference until you do the first three. That's know God, find freedom, and discover your purpose. Will you bow your heads? As I ask almost every week, where do you find yourself today? Can you relate to Jeremiah in that deep, dark place? Do you wish that you had never been born? Have you lost hope? Perhaps you're even ready to end your life. Maybe you don't even know how you found this message. Maybe you were just stumbling upon YouTube and it just came up. And, and you're, you've already given up and you're like, I'm, I, this is my last thing. There's countless stories of God leading two people to a message like this that that was their last thing they were going to do before they went and took their lives. Looking right at the camera right now. And I'm telling you, don't give up. Don't do that permanent decision for a, prom a temporary problem. If you think that there's no possible way, and you're weary and you're burdened, I want to invite you this morning. The same words that we just saw of Jesus. Come to him. Get yoked up with God. Put your step in step with him. Let him lead. Let him take all the weight. Let him give you direction. Maybe that's you for the first time, or maybe you, you once knew God and you walked away, then I'm inviting you to come back to him, to find rest. If that's you, with every, how every head bowed, I just want to lead you in this simple little prayer. Say, Jesus, I've tried to do it all on my own. I've made mistakes. I don't even know what to do. My life's a mess and I need you. I invite you to come live inside of me. Save me. Change me. Show me what and how to do it. Today, I'm coming to you like you asked. I put my hope in you. I take your direction and I'll learn from you. Thank you for your rest that is promised when I lean into you. Today, I put my faith in you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Father God, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer. Lord, for the first time or maybe many times, Lord, I know all of heaven is rejoicing. But Lord, I just want to take a moment to strengthen and not only through the words, but Lord, through prayer, those that feel like they're at the bottom, that they're in that valley, that they're in that storm that's trying to take them out. And those people who are contemplating suicide, those people who think that they're at the end of their ropes, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I speak forth that they'll live and not die, that they will see God move in their lives 
that they will see your hand of salvation outstretched to them and pulling them to a place of safety. And they get in the right place and become healthy. In the name of Jesus, we give this to you. Amen. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to take one more additional step, and that's simply to text the word NEXT to 469-289-1114. And it's at the bottom of your screen. Text the word NEXT to 469-289-1114. That's the way we communicate as a church. We're able to communicate with you. And there's someone there that's going to help you, and you can communicate back. You can text and, and ask things and give specific prayer requests. There's lots of different things you can do with that. So I want to encourage you to do take that step. And we want to know what's going on in your life. We want your prayer requests. We want to hear your testimonies. We want you to invite somebody to join you. Maybe invite somebody to come to your house and watch it with you next week. Or maybe you want to send them the link and say, hey, I watched this and I want you to see this. Or maybe you know somebody who needs to hear this message. You need to just shoot this link over to them. I want to encourage you to do all of that. In just a moment, we're going to be done. We're going to be released. But I just want to tell you, for those who are wanting to be a part of our financial success as a church, because it, it costs a lot of money to do what we're doing and to continue on. And there are bills even for a church, if you can imagine. They don't give us all the stuff that we need for free. Um, if you want to be a part of that financial success of our church, you'll see at the bottom of your screen again, it says you can go to givetobelong.com. And it's pretty simple. You just follow through the little steps. Well, if you'll stand to your feet, and we're going to pray and dismiss. Father God, I just thank you for every prayer request that have come in. Lord, I thank you for every connection that we've made with people. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's given of their tithes and their offerings, and Lord, given special offerings this week. Father, I speak a blessing over all of those, and Lord, we seal your word in our hearts that it may change our lives and change our perspective, and that we have hope in you, and we always hold on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.